Anna, welcome to Shadow Playground. It's a pleasure to welcome you into this play space. Thank you so much, Ed. I'm so excited to be here. As a first question, you are the founder of Bloom Consulting. So what is Bloom Consulting? And what are some of the ways that you play together as a team? Bloom is a team of facilitators, mediators, and coaches that support organizations through times of transformation. And we do that through um, tailor-designed facilitation that can really adapt to the current realities in the organizational ecosystem and, and walk with you, accompany organizations um, towards where they are seeking to go and supporting them to work together, really deepening their capacity for collaboration and creativity on that journey of change. And it can look like support in deepening equitable, diverse, inclusive cultures. It could look like strategic planning or visioning purpose and directionality of an organization. And also moving through and transforming conflicts that are acute or old and still percolating under the surface. Um, and we also work one-on-one -on -one with leaders who are really looking to step into their authentic leadership and more aligned ways of working that are that are connected to who they really are and and their organizational realities. Um, and yeah, as a team, we've been growing um, over the last seven years, and it really grew out of friendship and uh, a dream for societal transformation. And it, it came together at a time when when we saw the gifts that that we had as facilitators and felt a bit disenchanted with the ways that a lot of organizations that we'd been working with were navigating um how to respond to the, the complex needs of the people they're serving and saw this, this gap between the, the tools and the mindsets that, that leaders and organizations had and the conditions for really ripe participatory leadership not, not being ideal. And, and so seeing this, this um, opportunity to serve in this way with our gifts and and um, really grateful that this team is people that are family to me. And we um, gather together in person and in Zoom and because we're in different places across Toronto, um, you know, Takaronto, Jojage, Montreal and, and Mi'kmaq territory in the east. And, you know, we've come together this last year on um, Algonquin lands, um, Anishinaabe lands on the Black River, where we, um, I'm a part of a land stewardship collective, and we hosted a, a, a retreat there in the fall to compile our theory of change. It was the first time we were able to come together in person um, after after a long time in COVID, and um, yeah, we spent a lot of time really just in the fine art of hanging out and playing together, doing sacred clowning, singing songs by the fire, telling stories, laughing a lot. Um, and that and that also like opened up our, our our hearts to one another to really get to see one another in our fullness more. And that's been a um important part of deepening our trust in team and being able to work together and navigate conflicts internally. And, and also keep the spirit of hope alive because our wellness, our capacity to like believe that change is possible starts with us being able to be inspired and 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 hold a vision that 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 we can model something together that is possible. Like having the the physical experience of a, of living in a culture that feels uh, loving and where we care about each other and and seek to find those belongings and and like and I say that seek to find because belonging is such a aspirational goal and it's a shifting feeling that comes and goes and and so being in that 
that that that practice uh, internally has been really important for us to be able to steward others on that journey and be with them in the challenges that come up. Um, Cause you know, we can't take someone farther than we ourselves have gone. So um, being, being human and relational in our dynamics is one of the ways that, that we've been uh, shaping our theory of change, you know, and, uh, and not taking ourselves too seriously, you know, we're, we're all, we're all trying our best and we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. And so having grace with one another um, has been a way that we've been able to play with our failures and, and say, okay, yeah, that, that didn't go so well. It's okay. I still love you. What can we learn from this for the next time? You had this dream, this group of friends had a dream and you've created this organization that is diving into complex and important topics, but also embodying it, embodying that sense of community, of sharing, of love together. That's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that this is this dream is playing out, is unfurling out for all of you. And you have been integrating play and conflict work as well, among other things, into your the the accompaniment you do with organizations. What was going on? How did you decide to begin integrating those things into your work? Mm. That's a good question. When I first started to imagine um, Bloom, one of the things that I felt so compelled to offer was play-based work. Um, I was privileged from a really young age to be trained in theater of the oppressed and the work of Augusto Boal as a young activist trying to find my way and how I can support systems change. And I found that in the play space of theater and the incredible tools that that and and practices of of role playing our conflicts and in, and the and the dynamics of power inequities or hierarchies that we could see so much about ourselves and our aspirations and where we are and where we want to go and I, I I've been a dancer since I was two years old and and so the movement practice and and coming from the body to look at at the at the complex systems has felt more aligned to, to, to how I can offer and be of service. And also it, it doesn't lie. The body doesn't lie. We, our minds can make up stories and justify anything and is highly conditioned um, with all the same supremacies and hierarchies and right and wrong thinking. And, and we can, you know, I guess I got tired of the like, mental masturbation and intellectualization of issues that I never believed fully could result in embodying anything else unless we were practicing something else through those conversations. And I do believe in the conversational space as a rich one. Um, I also see how it can fall short of getting at what's below the surface um, in a way that using embodied practices that are like theater or movement, applied improv can just reveal in a short time, it can open up what's really blocking us from transformation. And so, um, and I could look around my, my surroundings and see, well, I don't see enough play and I don't see enough um, of 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 the, the the many many tools that are there available for us um, through theater uh, being used and 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 so it was really always always there and I can also say that it's been um, a journey for me to center that in my work because of the fringiness of it and wanting to be taken seriously and being a really young entrepreneur and and wanting to like legitimize my myself as a useful consultant and and wanting to meet people 
and be accessible. And that's really still very important to me. I, I don't wish to force anyone to do anything that they're not really ready to do. I know how how transformative it is. I also know it's trans transformative because it's vulnerable. It 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 like I said, you can't hide as easily when you're improvising a, a, a scene. You don't have the time to think about all the right words to say. It's just going to come, and that's the important information we need to see about where we're at, so that we can actually um, reflect on that and and be honest and open. It takes a lot of vulnerability and courage. So, uh, uh, but it keeps coming back. It's like my soul knows this is what I'm here for. So um, it's been something this year that I'm uh, putting more central and in offering playing at work as a set of, as a program to start organizations off on this journey. Um, I really feel confident in it now because I've seen the patterns of, of of where where the energy gets stuck in change over over these years and i've seen that it often gets stuck in in our capacity to be creative to imagine different uh realities to um think outside the box to be to be um able to risk doing things that are different and and what it takes in terms of trusting this the inner authority in us that we each have like that wisdom inside of us but also having trust with those that we work with that we can uh make mistakes and we will as we try new things when we birth new ideas and put them out they're not going to be perfect nothing is actually supposed to be perfect in in life and and yet we have this very like conditioned belief you know this one of the legacies of white supremacist culture is perfectionism and so as we try to decolonize and, and liberate ourselves we need containers where we feel safe enough and trusting enough that i will not be thrown under the bus if my idea isn't the greatest one right off the bat you know and the play space is a space of permission to, to try things out. And we get to practice that in a lower risk environment um, to start, you know, getting more comfortable with the notion of being a player, you know. And uh, so I, 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 I see the need so, so much in, in, in our workplaces and work cultures and in leaders who who are trying so hard to do the right thing and that that is beautiful and it comes from love and and that it also holds us back from many new ideas coming in that come from different identities that come from different lived experiences that are not the 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 norm or the the the, the dominant and so also in the in the like love and desire for creating cultures of belonging where people of all walks of life really can feel a sense of place. I know how important it is to open our minds to diversity in so many ways that that word means like different different personalities, different learning styles, different um, vantage points that come from different lived experience, historical oppressions, historical privileges. And that the meeting place to build a collective wisdom that is higher than the sum of its parts, that is um, really the work of bridge building. And um, I know that that is, a, that is a, a longing in the souls of so many humans walking on the earth today is a feeling of like, I belong here, I'm okay, I'm enough. And so, um, that the play practices that really accept everyone as they are is a is a it, it just it, it's like opening up another dimension of possibility in the play space and i know you know about that because you're a player yourself um and with conflict it's you know um many of us uh, at bloom are also part of uh, a global community of practice called the jam 
and we host gatherings around the world that bring together 25 to 30 people from a particular sector, you know, artists or lawyers or educators, or from a particular geography. Toronto has a jam. Um, the, the India has a jam. Pakistan has a jam. Uh, Mexico has a jam. North American come together for a jam. It's all over. And, and in that container, which is really seeking to live into Dr. Martin Luther King's vision of building beloved community for co-liberation across difference. Conflict is really normalized and really we have um, beautiful containers to hold the emergence of, of conflict in loving ways. That, 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 that has been a huge wellspring of, of teaching for all of us. Um, both in the jam community, but also that has pollinated into how Bloom approaches um, organizational change is knowing that conflict is natural. Conflict is a part of life. It is actually neutral. It's the meeting of difference. And if we're going to try to build communities with people who are not all like us, we're going to bump up against conflict at some point. And it's a skill. And it's a skill we can get better at. And when we get better at it, then it becomes an opportunity to deepen in understanding what's under the surface that's causing these, these conflicts. And that when we can move into addressing those issues and dynamics, then we can we can we can transform our relationships and ultimately our culture in, in this in the group or the team or the organization, which is part of a wide wider systems to be more understanding and to be more um, with the realities that are, are, are present. And, and then when we work with that information, I believe so deeply that we can access higher wisdom because everyone can, and, and this is a can, access more of the psychological safety required to show up in our wholeness. And to know that, okay, again, I'm not going to be canceled for saying the wrong thing, or I'm not going to be fired for having feelings of discomfort with something someone has said, or having an idea that doesn't jive with everyone else's idea, that there is space to be who we really are. Um, and so it seems like um, learning how to navigate and transform conflict is essential skill for um, humans working together. And especially when we're working under the con conditions of like an apocalypsis of like systems systems decaying and, and new ones being born and facing really complex, deep issues of our culture, of racism, of environmental, collapse of economic systems that are not serving the majority of people like we're facing really um difficult difficult questions as a species and um no one of us has the answer alone like we really need each other and so if we're going to work together we need to be able to navigate the conflicts that emerge i can see you just you know, exploding with passion and excitement. And I really, it, it's, I get the sense that you are, this is a, you are imagining into being a possible way that we can be in relationship together, a way that we can have fun, we can play, we can have the safety to make mistakes, we can be indifference, calling into the wisdom, into the connection that we need to address challenges, to grow as we need. And that's hard. That's hard bringing language to something that doesn't quite exist yet. You're, you're tuning into an emerging future to use that language. Yeah, in some ways it, it is that. And it and in and in other ways it's there. You know, and I I I remember the experiences I've had of moving through conflicts that have been transformative um, as these like reference points of what I'm striving towards. I feel like 
that is so important to believe in another world is to have um, spaces where we're practicing that those ways of being and um, and I'm really so grateful for the opportunities I've I've had in in the jam space and in Bloom to find other humans with the same dream and to and to and to know that I'm not alone out there and 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 that gives me a lot of of strength and and that also responsibilizes me to bring that to places where it doesn't yet exist and so in those moments I do feel like I'm helping build that bridge for people to experience uh, uh, that it is okay that we can we can play at work and we and we can um be different and not agree on everything and still have a same common purpose and move forward together it's it's not easy like you said it's not easy and yet i can't imagine doing anything else imagine if you're going into an organization with a lot a lot a lot of shadow so they haven't really done any work about patriarchy, um, anti-oppression, sort of colonial legacies. They haven't, they aren't really talking about emotions. They aren't playing. They're doing the work and having lots of conflict kind of stifled, stifled underneath. And generally speaking, people are kind of stuck within that. Um, yeah, a vision of work is really something where you don't have fun. You go there to be productive. So you're, and they've hired you. They've hired you and your team and... <laughs> coming on board what's kind of like the first step the the gentle the gentle unwinding that might begin at the very the very very first steps that might be be there it starts with a conversation and a lot of curiosity about what is their understanding of the current situation you know what drew them in to call us and a lot of listening and mirroring back what we're hearing, trying to understand the issues and the needs under what they're saying, and, and getting a sense of where do they want to go, you know, helping them to, uh, to see themselves, I suppose, in the beginning. We have a consultation phase, you know, a discovery phase of really um, helping to draw out from their lived experiences what's going on, how do people feel at work, what are their big fears, and what are their hopes, what do they want to move towards, and. And from there, we begin to see, see what might be the first step that's needed. In our, in our work, often it is a customized accompaniment that tailors to um, where the organization is uniquely at. And so, in a in a hypothetical scenario, it's 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 it could be many things that are first, but we know that building building a a circle or a team of people that are really excited and feeling the call to change is a common first step. Once we see that there is a willingness to change and there's a desire to work with us. That is a that's a that's a conversation, you know, that really we share also what we could offer and give them some thoughts. And if it feels resonant, like a match, then we'll then we'll take it forward. Um, we're never trying to convince anyone that they should do something or not. And consent is so important. So we're, but there's often a time when we build a team of like the stewards of this work, the ones, the champions for it. 
And in that, we begin to build relationship, trust, a container of, you know, how do we want to work together? What are our principles of cooperation? What are our roles in this? And what is the scope of work that we're, we're saying seems right for this first phase? And we acknowledge that we're going to stay in conversation to make sure that what we're doing is, is still making sense as it unfolds. And so we often have a, a smaller team that is hosting or stewarding the work that we come back to between the larger gatherings that might include the managers or all the staff or a particular team that we're coming back between those sessions to make sense and reflect on what worked well, what didn't work so well, how might we, you know, looking at the next step, is it is it still in alignment? How do we need to, to, to tweak it so that it is alive? And, um, you know, Antonio Machado said, Walker, there is no road, you make the road by walking. And mm -hmm. so we hold that humility of the unknown variables that will emerge alongside a, 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 the lightest amount of order and structure that we can use to support us in 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 walking in in you know in holding anchors on the wall as we you know rock climb this big mountain it's one step at a time um and so we can have this bigger this is what we think will happen in these next four months together and then we will pivot as we need some organizations might say you know what we we might be clear we've never talked about um power or equity and that's a big issue that we really want to begin to unpack okay we might say look we have a program for you that is really about edi and foundations of that and it's a six-part workshop series that takes teams or leaders the whole organization if they want through you know, what is what is EDI? Why does it matter to you at this time? And what is the need for work working on this? And then, you know, understanding ourselves, the multiplicity of our identities, looking at power and the power of sharing power and why that's important to creating cultures that are inclusive to diversity and getting practical in keys to inclusive and participatory leadership, like tools that we as facilitators use to actively listen, to be mediative in dialogue, not mediators, but being mediative in dialogue is a really important skill set alongside being um, in the spirit of inquiry and really leaning into collective understanding of issues, you know, moving away from a top-down leadership model to not saying getting rid of hierarchy altogether, but we uh, really believe that for there to be a sense of inclusion and uh, and really taking into account diversity of perspectives and inequities as they are, we need to get better at being facilitators, all of us, like having the, you know, some really strong principles and practices behind um, how to lead in different ways than the normal way of directing teams and telling people what to do. And I think we know that deep down inside that people trust the solutions they're a part of building more than the ones that are dictated at them. And so those are some of the ways that we could walk with an organization in a place um like like the one you described um but it but it really depends on on their openness and willingness to change and what they're ready for and what seems right to them you know we trust that they also know uh even if they don't know a lot they also know what they're ready for 
to some degree. And we try to listen. So much listening. There's so much listening and care while having so much experience and insight. You're really coming in with a big bag full of beautiful ideas and experiences. There's also that listening to them, really to their contact, to their wisdom. While you were while you were speaking, you were also dancing. You were moving, you were outwards and <laughs> inwards to the side. And I had this, this sense that when you go into an organization, people might potentially be moving in a bit more of a linear way. And that your very presence by moving, by dancing, by listening, by adapting, by having structure and improvising, in some ways, you being and holding that sense of play and movement and possibility might also be another way that people might even just watch you and just think to themselves, what is going on with this person? <laughs> and But also what is going on, but then also be like, well, you know, she's moving left to right, forward and backwards, and she's not marching. And I think there's something there about just the way you're moving and being is also being a step for them just to think about another way, another possibility that maybe they hadn't even considered. Oh, I really appreciate that noticing. Um, I've felt that before in 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 groups that, uh, and I've heard that before that my my way of being quite in my body that that uh, is pretty pretty stronger than my you know I I didn't even realize I was dancing as I was speaking um it can create more space for different kinds of participation and accessing uh different different parts of ourselves or different ways of knowing you know as we um yeah, that that in many ways that small group becomes like the fractal of you know we begin to 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 practice our 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 you know well earned wisdom around change in 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 spoken and unspoken ways and it, it can be a, a space of of um, modeling that which I do think that that does open up the consciousness or even the subconsciousness of like, oh, there's other ways of of being and it's okay to to laugh and be serious from one sentence to the next. And 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 um, as we build trust, if there's an openness, yeah, we we do say, hey, how do you, you want to do a little shakeout or some breathing to start? How about we you know, and 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 try it on, or maybe we want to play a little game, and you know, have some, you know, seriously deep and playful questions that 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 we model to start off with being vulnerable ourselves, um, and and revealing that we're also, you know, humans learning along the way with them, and that is different than many. Um, consultants are maybe the archetype of consultant as expert and knower. I think one of the ways that I bring in the sacred clown is very simple. It's in being a bit of the wise fool. Like, I don't know, tell me. And that is like empowering the inner knower of each of us to say, oh, actually, yeah, I do know what's going on. Actually, oh, I see this thing, this pattern. It's like, yeah, and just creating a space where they can hear one another. And sometimes, and then to synthesize what we're hearing back. Huh, look at what you've already decided, you know already so much. And ultimately we, we don't want organizations to be dependent on us forever. We, we want, we want uh, them to be able to integrate um, the next level of their leadership, where whatever that is for them, and practice it. And so much of what we're uh, doing with them is is giving them a structure to uh, practice new things and reflect on them and learn from them and practice something else and to learn from them. So it's really an experiential learning journey. And um, I think that's how adults really integrate wisdom into their into their lives, rather than just being told all the things to do. 
Yeah, that image of the sacred clown, just, you know, the wise fool coming in. I can imagine people just feeling, you know, excited, intrigued. Would you be able to perhaps talk a little bit about what the sacred clown is and also how some of the ideas of the sacred clown might might be really helpful, interesting for an organization to explore? Yes, the sacred clown is an ancient role in society. Uh, Many Indigenous cultures around the world dating back millennia um, recognized members of their society who held the role of the sacred clown who goes by many names in the Sioux community it is the Hayoka in in other communities uh, like Anansi the spider the trickster and um, the role of the sacred clown in the in those ancient cultures was to keep people awake. And um, by doing things differently than everyone else, sometimes being contrarian, you know, like if the circle in the ceremony went to the right, they would go to the left. Um, Or perhaps they would speak in gibberish. Uh, in a moment of a profound telling by a wise elder, um, or they might um, use sacred objects in unsacred ways, um, and 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 all of this was was welcomed and revered as important to support the people not falling into dogma or to any singular uh, truth that could confine the the people's consciousness towards the the bigger mystery that is really always somewhat unknown. And then as it evolved, you know, in the medieval era, there were the jesters in the court who were the only ones who were allowed to tell the king the truth about what people really think. And they had to do it by being funny. And they were they were also given a, a a home inside the court and and a salary to do that work, speaking truth to power and um, not getting killed for it. And then you know, in the last few centuries, we've lost touch with the sacred clown. There are fewer of those. Um, people in society that have, well, that respect has been diminished. And in the 60s, 70s, there was a resurgence of sacred clowning as a more of a pedagogy, a play-based pedagogy for connecting with the authentic self and connecting to the shadows inside of us, to the parts of us that we mask and to you, you know, bringing this spirit of play and wonder, the innocence of the way the child sees the world as a mir- miraculous compendium of beautiful things, to remember that part of ourselves and to do that in a way that invites the audience to remember that in themselves. And sacred clowning as a practice can be performed. It can also be um, uh, 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 done in, in as a way to stay uh, uh, like in tune with the self, to stay awake, to stay connected. And it has um, been used now more recently as like applied sacred clowning um, to practice um, letting go of perfectionism, to practice being better at accepting all offers, using um, the, 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 the profound tool of yes and that keeps an improv alive. You, anyone who's ever done any kind of improv knows that if you say no, you immediately block the creative fire. And sacred clowns are are as a uh, sacred clowning as a practice is 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 really about working with whatever is in front of us 
and transforming it towards something else. You know, ah, you give me, you give me a pencil and suddenly it's my vibrator. Oh, you give me a, a banana and now it's not just a banana, it's my best friend. And, and, it, and, it, and these are games I tell you, though, from my experience of doing it and of sharing with others, the the like it's like the the magic of life begins to pour out of ourselves in a way that the modern world stifles in in so many ways. And, um, you know, almost as adults, we're not allowed to be wondrous and in awe of the miracle of life or to be innocent again and and the, the clown sees the world through those eyes and so it's, it's a really deep practice and can be revealing like when I when I went into understanding my clown I was I was quite open I didn't know who she was and as I as I connect to her her name is Kinky I find that like she's this really innocent perv, you know. <laughs> she, she's so so sweet and sentimental, but also like always kind of looking to 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 jack off on something, and it's hilarious and liberating as fuck, you know, to like let out these these you know these. Uh, unknown desires and I can feel the spaciousness inside of me and I can feel the way then when I show my daughter you know what she needs to do tonight if I can do it playfully if we can engage with our conflicts playfully and uh you know she knows right away when I become my clown and she can hear what I say when I'm giving her feedback or asking her to do something 10 times more she can hear it because it's coming from this place of really pure love like the clown isn't always happy the clown can be very sad and and actually that's what's liberating too is the clown can express all of their feelings and not be ashamed the clown can be very bad at everything and and really accept herself for that you know some at me it doesn't matter I did it I did it perfectly imperfect and she's like yay you know I I, I and, and and so there's there's like a truth that the clown has that speaks truth that many of us are not able to speak and and in that witnessing everyone can get a little bit more free yeah. It's like a, a tap where you're, the sacred clown like it's opening up a way of being that is allowing the life to flow out. And just that, that idea of waking people up. It's like people will be many things. They might be upset. They might be, you know, scared, but they are certainly not falling asleep. That's right. They're present. They're present. And that's where, you know, um, the bridge between playfulness and mindfulness is really actually... Um, important to build. Um, my partner, Dan Rudolph, was also a sacred clown practitioner and lives in a modern monastery in rural Vermont, has been studying the inter interconnectivity between mindfulness and playfulness, and is finding that in the tools of play, we can access the type of mindfulness and presence, equanimity, um, and with with things as they are, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's in a way that 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 you can do through many hours of sitting meditation, and so that's I think a really interesting aspect, emerging um, intersection, and usefulness of playfulness is it it stills our mind and and washes away the many distractions and brings us into the the wonders of the moment. Mm. which I think, you know, in, in, in working together in collaboration or in any kind of conversational space where different viewpoints are trying to be listened to being present is the first step. You know, you have to be able to let go of what you think is right or wrong 
the, the preconceived notions. That's also really helpful in a conflict if you're trying to like understand the other's reality. We, we, we can use play to practice getting really present and from that place, see what happens. Yeah, I see those being completely connected. And I like the, just this the idea of how there's different pathways to get that place. And for someone, it might be the meditation, the mindfulness, someone else it might be the play. You mentioned before this idea of, of you know, deep sense of safety. And organizations are such complex beings because, or entities rather, because they give us our livelihoods. There's often power dynamics and hierarchies and this notion of professional, and we want to be good and perfect. So I'm wondering how might an organization really create that space where people feel like they really can make jokes, have fun, be present, be imperfect. How can that safety on an organizational level be, be created? That's the that's 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 question I think that we're always with, that tension between this space being a space where, like workspaces are places where people receive their livelihood that they need to survive and and sometimes those spaces are frankly just just not safe to dissent or speaking truth to power or being contrarian or any of the sacred clown gifts um and 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 yet we know that when people are really safe then they can actually take more of their wisdom can come out and more of that life force is available for creativity and innovation and and more um good ideas can come to life so it's it's the how is really going to depend on where people are at um for for folks that are willing to try something different and play together i would really recommend this um this practice of 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 playing together at, with 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 a facilitator guide who can support the creation of a play space, which means creating a container for um, for bravery, for for relationship, for authenticity, for imperfection, um, for building building more trust and understanding. And you know. We we have this new program playing at work, which is a four-part workshop series that really is, I think, foundational. If folks are ready and interested to try something different and doing safety building through play, that space I think can really help because um we are, yeah, it, it, I think naturally when we really connect heart to heart and and see one another in our vulnerabilities and in our imperfection. There is an outpouring of love and compassion that flows. Like I really believe that humans are innately love, and that that we have obstacles and barriers to giving and receiving that love. Um, but the more we are able to deepen in realness in a in a space that is held for that. Um, I've seen I've seen the ways that that people's faces change, you know, literally the way they look is more open and relaxed. And then the 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 stories that come when we're storytellers, we're made of stories. We will naturally find ourselves in each other's stories. Like I can relate to that, even though you're on the other side of the whatever illusionary divide you want to speak to race class gender ability but we on a human level share so many of the same emotions and longings and so i think that the the if play is on the table and if people are willing to risk it then it it, it, it can shed some of those barriers to connection that creates a space of more safety. And for folks that are not yet there or won't don't want to do that because that's not the way that's right for them. I, I like I said, I'm not trying to proselytize play on everyone. Um, 
then I think that circles and giving people a structure like this circle, an ancient indigenous pedagogy that people have used for millennia to come together and hear from one another is a really safe structure because there is a question at the center, a unifying question that everyone can speak to that builds common ground. And everyone, one at a time, holding a talking piece has their opportunity. And the only invitation is to speak from the heart in relation to that question. And then people can stretch as much or as little as they want. They can take off a mask as much or as little as they want. And um, there's no interruption and there's no rebuttal. It's not a dialogue. And so it creates space for each person to have their unique perspective on the question and for all, all of them to be heard. And that can that can be on its own a way to spiral inwards because with each round of the circle, we go deeper and deeper into uncovering what is the collective realities present. And with that, everyone now is witness to that. And so then it gives us an opportunity to say, okay, now what? So what? And to see what people are ready, what are they willing or wanting to do, willing to do? What are they willing to commit to doing differently? Um, and like dialogical processes, the circle is one of many um, that can create some set safety. Um, but sometimes we start with one-on-one -on -one conversations to get to a place where people can feel safe to sit in a circle, a confidential space with, with, with an outsider where you can just like vent and just put it all out there about what's really going on. And then we make sense of all of that lived experience and share back the patterns and the important outliers that are alive in the organizational ecosystem for everyone to look at. And then again, say, okay, now what? So what? What are we willing to pay attention to? And then take that next most graceful step in that direction. One thing I'm not hearing you say is, you know, redo the organizational chart, make a guidebook, do, do research. I'm hearing there's something about the being. It's like your team, the people on the team need direct lived experience, either in a conversation, in a circle, through a play training. I think it's a really important piece here. It's not so much a knowledge that you can construct mentally. There's an embodied component to it. Yeah, I think that that is really true that the, that, you know, we are, our organizations are made up of relationships. And so the being together and getting closer together and, and seeing how we are being together and how we want to be together differently in our everyday interactions, that's, that's the that's the life force. That's where we see what's really happening. And then yes, later we can we can rectify the chart and the roles and the budget or you know that that is that is important too. It's the written policies um, that can in fact have impact. But you're right, it's not just in that place where we it's really where the real real um, learning or the real practice of the living, breathing culture exists. I have one last question for you. If you were to imagine that the sort of skills of aliveness, of playfulness, of you know, sacred counting had just become one of the main things that organizations value and uphold, much like, you know, leadership skills or accounting skills, you know, how do you think our world might look different? Okay, first, I think it would be so much more fun. <laughs> so much more like, wow, okay, here we go. We got this problem. So what are we going to do about it? And that we would be testing and prototyping a lot more. We would be like, okay, 
you know, let's let's play with this idea for a while in a in a in all these ways. Let's 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 make some images with our body about it. Let's draw some pictures about it. Let's sing our uh, best ideas in a song or a poem, and 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 then here we are, like accessing wisdom from the earth, body, spirit, and and doing it relationally, doing it in a way that's like yes, 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 and yes, and yes, and which like rolls the creative wheel, keeps it moving. And then we like take some stock of it and say, all right, okay, we got all these great ideas now which ones are going to like be the most impactful that are we have resources for yeah let's turn on the like discernment mind to like make some plans and get some actions on the schedule like yeah do the orderly things to make your ideas come to life and then let's like do it and then actually intentionally every little while stop and say so how's it going is it working for real like it was a hypothesis and let's not like pretend that it's going to get it's going to be perfect on the first draft like let's actually learn from it and we would become i think much more comfortable with seeing learning as our leader you know like let's like just be learners here and and that's so I think that's what life is about. It's learning and and learning together. And and then it kind of takes the edge off of like, it's got to be perfect. But I have to say, I think that it would be better. I think that our solutions would be much more strong because we would have gone through the like creative, really letting out creative juices. And I trust the wisdom of people. I really trust that people know what they need to do to, to move through. Like, I, I think we innately are wise. And um, and I think that would make our whole um, sort of spirit much more filled from a place of have rather than like a place of like abundance rather than scarcity of like, I got ideas, you got ideas, we got this. Like there's possibility. And then when we feel that hope, we get out of the bed and we're like, okay, I can do this, you know, and then we feel better in life and then we're better parents and we're better neighbors. And like, maybe we don't take it so seriously because I, I think we need to be serious about addressing the issues we face as a species. Um, but like, it's so important. It's so important that we're serious, that we have to play, that we have to be so creative and playful. And so, I, and, and then we feel full of joy that is um like a, a, a our nervous systems are regulated better so then we can like actually be malleable and, and and adapt to the realities as they shift and we can we can maybe not be so um uh quick to judge or quick to call out or quick to cancel which then causes us a big like you know, disruption, you know, the ruptures of our relationships, which fracture the feeling of, oh, shit, how are we going to do it now? And we're like in this weird thing that we're not talking about, but we're actually really mad at each other. It's like, what if, what if we could also say like, I'm feeling mad. I like, I, there's enough space in this room for you all to hold that I have an emotion. And then when I can express it and we can slow down about it and say, okay, what's going on? Well, you know, you cut me off there and I really feel it hurting. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, well, I was feeling really frustrated by what you were saying. Oh, oh, I didn't realize I was offending. Oh, you know, we can navigate those things and then move along. Like they don't have to build up into this big mountain of resent, you know, if we could sort of be a bit more playful and, and be a bit more forgiving and that yeah we're all learners and we're going to make mistakes and let's have some forgiveness and grace and trust that we're trying our best that that would be really that would be really nice I can even feel it in my body like the relaxation of like oh I don't have to be perfect I don't have to get it right every time and that um, I can be I'm allowed I'm allowed to be a human um, yeah, I think we could just be a little bit more like a like the trees and the flowers who don't worry about 
being a tree or how perfectly they're growing. They're just doing it. Mm. And you stood up, you stood up, you're like, you're going to grow some wings and fly off. I think, I think it would be safe to say you are tired of the status quo and you are ready for a new world where we can be human. I am, Ev. I, I really am. I really am. And I, I really have that prayer for, for all of us, you know, to be able to be more human and free. And I, and I know it's, it's, I'm not alone in that desire. And I know that, man, some of our, some of our brothers and sisters in this world don't have the privilege we have of being on the outside, working for ourselves and with all of the many identities that we hold that make it easier for us to navigate these, these systems of oppression, you know? And so I, I, I feel, I feel this responsibility to, to work in partnership with anyone who wants um, to support a, a, that dream of us being more human and enough and free uh, for all of us, all of us, because, because it's, it's, we are, we are in this together. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Rihanna. Yeah. Thank you for this conversation. And you're right, we are in this together. I appreciate you sharing all your ideas and dreams and dance movements with us today. And I hope that everyone is listening is able to take some inspirations and thoughts to bring playfulness, sacred clown, experimentation, failure, conflict into their daily organizational lives and lives just generally. Thank you so much, Ev. I love the work you're doing. I'm so happy that you're out here and and offering your gifts and just being such a bright light of shining the light of what is possible in the world to that future that future dream so i really thank you so much for having me